What is good news to you? Maybe um, your team's in the Super Bowl for a few of you. I got a raise at work. That'd be good news. We're having a baby. That'd be good news for some. <laughs> the doctor said I'm cancer-free. That'd be good news. We use that phrase good news all the time. We think about it. We look forward to we want good news. We talk about good news as Christians. That's probably where you thought I was headed. When we use that term in here in the church setting and we use the term good news, what are we talking about? What are we referring to? I think most of us would probably say the good news is that Jesus died in our place on the cross so we can be saved from the consequences of our sin if we accept Him as our Savior. That's the good news. But I want to ask you a question today and challenge you to think about that for a minute. Is the good news the cross? Is that what the good news is? Is there anything more to the good news than the cross? What would Jesus say? Well, let's let him answer that, if you wouldn't mind. His good news, um, he uses the phrase, actually, over in, uh, in Mark 1.15. Jesus says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near, has come down here. Repent and believe the good news. In fact, we would say that was Jesus' number one topic. If you look at all the things he talked about, all the times he challenged people, gave people an invitation, it wasn't to talk about the cross. The cross hadn't even happened yet. But what his invitation was, the good news from his perspective, was that I get to invite you to come into God's kingdom, to be a part of the people of God. To be a child of God, the creator of the universe wants you as his son, his daughter. And I get to invite you to be in that family. He came to offer us that new life as a part of God's kingdom. A, a better life. A life above the, the brokenness, a life that handles the brokenness that we may experience in this world. So how do we get that new life? How do we accept that offer of this kingdom, this new kingdom that Jesus says, this is the good news I've come to tell you about. I'm excited to tell you about. How do we get that kingdom, that good news? Is it the cross? Is that the doorway into that kingdom, that good news? Or is there more than just the cross? And that's the point I want to stretch you a little bit today. Because certainly the cross is part of the way into that good news. We might say it's the doorway. But I don't think it's the full story. You see, if we only see the cross, if we only see Jesus' sacrifice, there's something we may be missing. Something that is very important for us to understand. Because it's more than just having our arms open wide, as we sang, for Jesus to die for us, for Him to be our Savior. 
So I want to do a little full disclosure on the good news and what this good news really includes, and it's not just a cross, not just Jesus' cross, at least. Turn over to Matthew 16 with me, if you would. 24 and 25. Whoever wants to be my disciple, okay, we want Jesus, we want the good news. Whoever wants to be my disciple, there's some things we need to do. And that's why I said it's more than just the cross of Jesus that's the doorway to the good news. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple, we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And that's a verse we've heard a lot. But I want us to think about it for a minute today. We can have this new life that Jesus came to give us, that he was excited for us to have. It is available to every one of us. It is a life lived as a part of God's family, It is a life lived with the privileges of being a child of God and God's power helping us in our lives. But in order to do that, what Jesus is saying is you have to be willing to give up your old life to find this new life. You have to be willing to let go of what was important to you in the past. You may have to let go of what's important to all the people around you. And you may have to pay some costs to let go of this old life and to find this new life. That's what Jesus talked about. That there was, in fact, a cost of the good news. And once in a while we talk about that in the church today because the pendulum has swung pretty far to one direction. And we have wanted to emphasize how much God loves us and what Christ has done for us and how we don't earn grace. And all of those are true statements. Christ has already died for us on the cross and we didn't do anything to earn that. But in focusing on that, that free grace, that undeserved love of God, There is a danger that we miss the cost for us to accept that that cross, to accept God's love and the grace of Jesus. And Jesus was very careful to talk about that, to be honest with people and to say, listen, if you want to follow me, that's great. I want you to follow me. I have come so you can have this good news. You can be a part of God's kingdom. But I need to tell you up front, to follow me, to experience this new life, there's a cost you're going to have to pay. And that's what I want us to wrestle with today. I'd like you to look at one more passage with me over in Luke 14. And I want to read three verses, 26 and 27, and then verse 33. Because Jesus talks about this cost for us. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person can't be my disciple. 
If you're not willing to pay the cost, you can't be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me can't be my disciple. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. I think it would be safe to say these are some of the most shocking verses Jesus spoke. And I think oftentimes these verses have been, I believe, misunderstood. You have to put them in the context of everything that Jesus says. And I think most of us would agree if you look at all that Jesus says, he is not against families. He's not for promoting hatred in a family. All of those things, it's like that's not who Jesus is. I don't think that's what he was saying here. What he is talking about is if you're going to follow me, I need you to be fully committed to follow me, to listen to me. And that may mean for some of you that what your mom and dad say to you, what your family says to you, won't matter anymore. You're going to follow me because they're going to say you're crazy. And they're going to say you're rejecting your family. And they're going to say all these things. But you're realizing, I need to follow Jesus. And there may be some costs to you. You may have to sacrifice. You may have to give up a week of vacation. You may have to do this or this. Or experience this difficult situation. There will be costs for you. Will you follow me? Will you trust me? Because I'm going to lead you on a path And there will be times it won't be easy. But that's the only way you can be my disciple because Jesus knew that's the only way he can get us to this new life. And too often if we just sit and we say, well, I I love grace. Give me that. I, I love the fact that you love me, that you're willing to forgive me. And we think that's what it means to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus He's saying, it won't work that way. If you're going to follow me, I need you to follow me. And I want to warn you up front, there's some things you're going to have to give up. And there's some costs you're going to have to pay. But what I want you to see today is that Jesus asks us to do those things. And he warns us with some shocking terms. Because he needs us to understand That's what it's going to take to follow him. Because of what he wants to give us. Not because he enjoys seeing us suffer. But because of where he wants to lead us to. He knows that to find that, we have to really follow him. Not letting anything keep us from obeying him. We sang that new song about the water. He knows there's times he's going to ask us to take risks, to do things that sound crazy, to pay costs of inconvenience, of what people think, of doing and going places we don't want to go. But he says, I'm going to need you to do that because of what I want to show you, what I want to give you, the new life I want you to have. And it's going to take some new ways of doing things and letting go of old ways. We talked a few weeks ago about that illustration Jesus uses of the wineskins. 
and saying, I, I, I can't pour new wine into old wineskins because they're, they're, they're brittle and they're tough and they don't expand. And all that's going to happen is you're going to lose the wine and the wineskins. If you want this new wine that I want to give you, this new life, then sometimes we're going to have to put it in a new wineskin, a new structure. And so when he talks about the cost and, and hating family and giving up and carrying a cross, what he's challenging us to see is sometimes it's not going to be easy to give up those old wineskins. Because the truth is we get attached to our old wineskins, don't we? It's real important to us. Somebody was talking to me in the foyer today and said, I hate change. And you know, I think a lot of us are that way. We don't like to call them ruts. We like to call comfort. The people that we like and we want them to like keep liking us. The places we go, we, we go there because we like those places. We want to keep going there. How we use our vacation time, we, we, we want to keep doing it that way. We're comfortable. How we spend our money, who we spend time with, all of those pieces of our life are our old wineskins. We're comfortable there. And what Jesus is challenging us to see is that if you really want to follow me, I want to give you new life. I'm going to give you life, relationship with God, power, direction, purpose, worth. I'm going to give you so many things you're looking for. But I can't give them to you as long as you're attached to those old wineskins. If I did, they'd just burst the wineskins. And so along the way, I'm going to ask you to give up some things. I'm going to ask you to ignore what people may say or what somebody's going to think about you. But I'm going to need you to do that because of what I want to pour into your life, because of how I want to use you. Will you trust me that much? Will you pay that cost? What Jesus wants to do in our lives is major renovation. Okay, how many of you like HGTV, DIY, Yard crashers, bath crashers, kitchen crashers. It looks so easy, doesn't it? And three days, they revolutionize a home. Peggy and I were watching one of them yesterday. She says, it's a lot harder than they make it look. <laughs> Renovation is a lot of hard work. And there's demolition. And there's dumpsters. And there's old stuff that's carted out and thrown away. Why? Because of what's coming. And you don't see a lot of people standing around the dumpster crying, do you? Oh, my old toilet. Oh, that old kitchen countertop. I'm going to miss it so much. No, they can't wait for that truck to drive up and they carry out that new marble countertop. And they're like, wow. And somehow we've focused on the cost Jesus says to us. And what I think he says is, would you just hang on? I have something coming in a delivery truck that is going to blow you away. But I can't deliver it till we get the old out. And so there's times I'm going to have to say, you need to do this. Don't worry what they think. 
I know you've never done this before, but trust me, it'll work. Go over here, talk to this person, work this week. Use your money over here instead of over here. Take your vacation here and spend it here. And it's too easy for us and what Satan wants us to focus on is standing by the dumpster saying, but I like that. I like spending my vacation that way. I like spending my money that way. And Jesus says, not when you see what I've got for you. You won't be crying over the dumpster anymore. Because the renovations I want to bring in your life will blow you away. But you got to let me do some renovation. You have to trust me enough. His point is, the new life is worth it. We looked a few weeks ago at that illustration Jesus said where the guy found a buried treasure. And he thought, this is amazing. So what did he do? He reburied it and joyfully sold everything he had because he knew what he could buy, that buried treasure. And Jesus says, that's the way it is with the kingdom. And what he understands and what we struggle to understand is what he wants to give us is so much greater than what he asks us to give up. But we have to trust him. When he says, I need you, I need you to do this. I think it is so cool how God orchestrated what Tracy had to say about our mission trip. With the point, I think Jesus wants us to get today. For a long time, God had been saying, I need you to do this, I need you to do this, I need you to do this. And Tracy, like most of us, was like, no, 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 no. Or when it's convenient. Or someday. And God, who is a gentleman, kept saying, come on, come on, come on, you can do it, come on. And finally, she does. And I'm sure there's people around Tracy that said, you gave up a week of vacation for what? To go where? You're crazy. And you spent $2,400 to fly to where? Do you know where you can go for $2,400? They don't get it. But I think Tracy would say today, and what she had that week, we wouldn't say was a fun week in the Caribbean. But what she experienced and what God taught her and the people she met and how God used her life and how God worked in her life, she would say, that was a great trade. That week of vacation that could have been spent wherever, but instead I spent it in Haiti, that was a great trade. I'll never be the same because of that experience. You see, that's what Jesus says, trust me. What I want to give you in this renovation is going to be better, but you've got to trust me. Yeah, you could do some stuff next week, but what if you worked at Family Promise and helped homeless people? Trust me. Or what if you went and did this? Or gave your money for this instead of what you were going to buy? I want you to see what I can do with your life. And it is going to be so much better. And that's what it means to be my disciple. It's not just saying, I'm glad you died for me, Jesus. It's saying, I trust you. I'll do what you ask me to do. For all of this and to do all of this, there is one question. Can we trust Jesus? 
I mean, this is a big ask he's giving us. And it's a risk. And he knows that. And so the question becomes, can we really trust Jesus? As he asks us to give up. To listen to him instead of family. To listen to him instead of friends. To look at what's important to him and his view of finances instead of what is important to me and my view of finances. Can we trust him? I think we can. And the greatest evidence of that is why we waited on communion. You know, it's one thing to deal with a salesman on a used car lot who says, Oh, yeah, you can trust me. Every time I say that, I feel guilty. There's probably a used car salesman in this room. And I, and I, I, I understand there's honorable used car salesmen. I have some friends who do that. But we all have that stereotype. But it's entirely different if the person who says, you can trust me, holds up his hands and there's scars in the middle of those hands from nails. It's totally different if he's died for you already. Because you see, then he's pretty much committed how much he cares about you. And if he cares about you enough to die for you, he's not going to give you a trick deal. He's not going to pull something over on you. He's not going to hurt you. He is there to give you new life. That's the good news. And he's proven how committed he is to you. You can trust him. As we take communion today, as you hold that bread and that juice, may it be a reminder of how much Jesus cares for you. And it is that Jesus who says, trust me, let go of this. Trust me, pay this cost. There's one other thing I want you to think about as we take communion. And that is a second cross, yours. We sang earlier in a song, I stand before you with my arms open wide. And what do we, we, I think that whole song pictures, I'm going to get God's love. I just open my arms for God's love. And knowing where the sermon was going today, I thought as we sang that, won't we be surprised when we say to Jesus, I stand with my arms open wide. And what's he do? He says, here, take this cross. You see, there's two crosses I want you to think about today as we take communion. I want you to think about the first cross, the one we normally think about, the cross of Jesus and what he did for you. But he says, if you want to follow me, as you're leaving communion, here, take this cross with you. Because this week I'll ask you to do some things. I'll ask you to make some sacrifices, to make some changes, to listen to my prompting. And if you'll just do that, the renovations I want to do in your life will blow your doors off. But you got to trust me and pick up your cross and do whatever I ask you to do this week. And watch the renovation I will do in your life. I am excited to share the good news of what I want to do in your life. If you'll just listen. I'm going to pray.
and we're going to sing, and then we're going to just take communion. And as we take communion today and the trays are passed, will you please think of two crosses today and not just one? Think of Jesus' cross, but commit yourself to carry the cross he gives you as well. Let's pray. Jesus, we do thank you for what you've already done for us, what you gave up, your cross. But then you also say you're going to need us to give up some things, to listen to you, to trust you, to let you make changes in our lives. Use us. And the issue isn't how we'll give up. The issue is what you want to give us if we'll just trust you. So as we take communion today, help us not just look at your cross, but help us pick up our crosses. In your son's name.